This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn over to Romans chapter 1 and we'll get started with our message here in a second. Are you thankful for our worship and production team that lead us every Sunday? They do such a great job. You know, all of our city team, they do a great job. One thing specific with our uh, worship and volunteer team, they're here either on a Thursday night or on a Saturday during the day uh, to prepare for Sunday morning. And so just a great, faithful, dedicated bunch. And I'm so thankful, as I'm sure you are, just to be able to sing and to celebrate and to worship God every Sunday morning. It's just uh, super special. And they did a great job this morning actually picking songs that are going really well with my message this morning, as you will see here in a second. But we are actually in week seven of our series that we have called Hall of Faith. We're actually going to be finishing next week. It'll be an eight-week series. And what we're talking about in this series is Hebrews chapter 11, all the men and women who accomplished and did tremendous things by faith. And then the very next verse of of chapter 12 says, see all these people that did all of these things, a great cloud of witnesses, it says, we should run our race. In other words, we should run a race similar to them, referring to a race by faith, that we should be living our lives by faith in God. And that's how we're separating these ideas out uh, in this series, that everybody, whether they go to church or they don't, or they believe in God or they don't, everyone lives by faith. Everyone has a set of beliefs by which they are living their lives. And what, what is talked about in the scripture, what is being talked about in the New Testament is this idea that we're supposed to be living by faith in God. Faith in the New Testament, in the New Covenant is a relational idea. How, uh, how I'm depending on God, how I'm relying on God for every area of my life. And that's what we're discussing in this series as we go through all of these stories. We're looking at and and pointing out things as it relates to what does it look like to actually live by faith in a very practical way. How do we identify it? How do we see what it looks like? And so the people that we've talked about so far in this series, the first week we talked about Abel, how he gave an offering. And Enoch, he walked with God. And then Noah uh, built a boat. And then Abraham, how God called him out from his family to go to a desert place. How Sarah receive strength to conceive seed. And then last week we talked about Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph and how they all spoke regarding their future, hope for their future. So if you missed any of those messages, let me encourage you to go back, um, not because I spoke them necessarily, but there's some just great thoughts and ideas uh, from the scripture so that we can live those things out. You can listen on our website through our podcast and then also through the church app. Let's read here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So this is the encouragement to us, those of us that name the name of Jesus, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that we're supposed to be living a life of faith, not a Sunday morning thing, not a church service thing, but every day that we're living our lives, 
has to do with this relationship with God that I have, that I have, that God has given me this relationship, that God is giving me his righteousness, and he wants us to live in accordance to that. And this is how we are supposed to live with faith in God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And that's what we should do as we're in this series, but not just in this series, in our own private Bible reading time. The point of it is so that we can be growing our faith in God, so that I can know God in a greater degree. That's what I'm looking for. As I, as I go through the scripture, as I spend time reading the gospels, reading about Jesus' life, my faith in him should be growing. I should be aware of his character and nature and how it's being revealed in the scripture. And then I will actually know him better and then rely on him on a daily basis. So let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11 and then we'll read about who we're going to be speaking about this morning. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it talking about faith, the people of old received their commendation. In other words, God celebrates when we live by faith. He celebrated them and he's going to do the same for us. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. Now today we're going to be talking about Moses, so let's skip down to verse 23. And it says this, by faith Moses... When he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now, as I said, um, relating to Abraham, we really could do a whole series on Abraham. The same way with Moses. There's just so much in the scripture about the life of Moses. We could do a complete eight-week series on Moses, which we might do one day. Um, But we're going to focus in, once again, just on a few parts of what's being described here in Hebrews chapter 11. And then one of the things I actually want to talk about first, which preachers do, which I hear is a thing preachers do. Preachers talk about sin, so I'm going to talk about sin here for a few seconds. Everybody's favorite topic when they come to church, the preacher is going to talk about sin. Now, what, what this word sin, you know, it, it's kind of it's like a heavy word in, in a lot of different places. And people, you know, feel condemned for their sin. And, you know, religious people are, are famous for making a big deal about sin. But what does the word sin actually mean? Once we understand uh, the origin of the word, it actually helps us to see what the principle is in the scripture. Now, the word sin is actually an archery term. Uh, and, and what it means is to miss the mark. So if you did anyone ever do archery in high school? I did archery in high school. And so one of the things that you're aiming for the bullseye, right? And then what sometimes happens, you know, when you're learning, like you miss it completely or you hit the ground and it's really bad and it's not a good situation. And then occasionally you like scrape your whole arm when you do archery. A lot of, a lot of bad things happen in archery. But it just means to miss the mark. So in other words, 
think about it in, the, in these terms. There's a way to live our lives that actually hits the mark. And then there's a way to live our lives that doesn't hit the mark. And, and sometimes we cannot even be aiming. And then when we think about the word sin, that... When we, and how it's defined in the scripture, these aren't arbitrary ideas when we see sort of lists of sins in the scripture. It's not an arbitrary idea. In other words, just God's looking at the world and he's being this cosmic killjoy. And anything that's fun, he's just going to call sin. And, and then, you know, there's just going to be no way for us to live our lives avoiding it. And he's just going to be mad at us. And the reason he puts in there is because he just, he's just an angry God and he wants to be mad at us anyway. Um... But when we think about sin, when we, when we realize that sin is defined in the scripture in such a way that God is actually trying to protect us. Now, when you, when you think about children, when you think about, uh, you know, maybe let's say a toddler. And then if you've ever had a toddler, you know, they're, gonna, they're just going to walk anywhere, right? They'll walk off a cliff because they don't know what's on the other side of the cliff. And then what do we do as parents? We're protecting them. We're putting up guardrails in their lives so they don't walk over a cliff, literally and figuratively, we're, we're trying to protect them. And this is what the discussion is as it relates to sin in the scripture. But it actually says this phrase uh, in verse 25. It talks about the fleeting pleasures of sin. And I would say this, you know, some people might say, you know, you know, sin is just a bad thing and, and sin is no fun. I would say if you're sinning and you're not having any fun, you're doing it wrong. The scripture actually says that there's some pleasure in sin. But what does it say about it? It's fleeting. In other words, there's a momentary enjoyment. There, there's something in the short term that feels good or it, or it tastes good or it is good in the moment. But then over the long term, it's the, the, the joy of it is fleeting and actually dissipates. The pleasures of sin for a season, one translation says. It can be pleasurable. So what the idea is, what, what God is wanting us to understand as it relates to sin, there are some things that are pleasurable in the short run, but in the long run, we're going to wa- walk off a cliff and, and we're going to run our life into the ground. And this is why God hates sin. God doesn't hate people. God hates sin. Why does God hate sin? Because it destroys people's lives. It destroys relationships. So that's why God hates it. He doesn't hate you. He loves you and cares about you. But the act of sin, he hates because it destroys your life. Now, and all of us have these areas in our lives, these natural proclivities that we might have, sort of something naturally that we would like or do, or think about, or whatever you want to say, that if we were to do these things over and over again for 365 days, and then another 365 days, and then five years after that, and then 10 years after that, we would destroy our lives. Does anyone want to admit that that's true? It's okay to be honest. We're in church, y'all. Okay, for the rest of you who don't need a savior... um, for all of you that are perfect, just hang and, you know, just hang with us for, you know, that, that struggle in these areas of life. That this is what the, the subject is being discussed here. It's a, it's a fleeting pleasure. And what we need to do and what we need to be aware of and what God wants us to be aware of is that we don't destroy our lives 
God is not interested in you destroying your life. And once again, it's very easy to talk about somebody else or to watch a, a movie or, we, you know, somebody's gone through something and they've gone through rehab for it because they almost destroyed their lives. And it's very easy to think it's for somebody else. But it's being aware of it for our own self so we don't continue to miss the mark. And so God is calling us to not destroy our lives. Why? Because he loves us. And he cares about us. And he's trying to protect us. So when we hear about sin, we don't have to push it aside and we'll just say, oh, that's just an old idea. That's just an old word. No, it, it, it happens all of the time in our society. And people drive their lives off the cliff, so to speak. But we don't want to do that, right? We, we don't want to drive off the cliff with our lives. We actually want to engage in the life that God has for us. So that's all extra this morning. Just thought I would throw that in because people love it when preachers talk about sin. All right. Verse 24 says this. This we're going to be focusing on a little bit this morning. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Faith refuses to be called by the world's designation. That Moses, that his parents had protected him and they, they'd put him out in the river and then, you know, uh, Pharaoh's daughter found him and took him as his own. And so he was, you know, Pharaoh's grand, grandson, so to speak, even though he was Jewish. When he got to of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be called what the world said he was. And there's a lot of things to think about along these lines. But one of the things that we see in the world today is that people are really struggling with their identity. I don't know who I am. And they have identity problems of every shape, form, and fashion. And here Moses is talking about his identity, that he had a certain type of identity. He grew up with an identity and then he refused that identity. He refused the identity that the world had given him. He refused the label the world had given him. Now, a lot of the, we can, uh, these can come from a lot of different ways. Sometimes they can come from stuff that we've done, stupid mistakes that we've made from our past and we've missed the mark. And our lives can start to be defined by that mistake that we made. And then so that becomes our identity. Or words that were said to you a long time ago. A certain grade, at a certain place, by a certain teacher, or a certain person in authority, or something along those lines. That somebody said something to you. They defined you a certain way. And then it hurt you, and then you stayed there. And, and you have let that thing define you. But what did Moses do? Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused the designation of the world. And instead, he chose the designation that came from God. How God was defining his future and how God was defining his purpose. Moses chose that instead. This is what the world says I am. And this is what my past says I am, what I've done. This is what somebody else has said about me. 
And then something super painful is that somebody did something to you. Something terrible. Somebody did something to you. And then that can be our identity. That can be the thing that identifies us. But faith refuses to be called by the world's designation. This is such an important principle for our lives. He didn't let that define him. But what was Moses doing? He was allowing God to define his identity. Well, well, who am I? Well, is it what I've said? Is it what I've done? Or lack thereof? Just like we were singing about this morning. No, I am who you say I am. And this is what Moses did. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be what the world says I am. I am actually going to choose the identity of God for my life. Because listen, insults can last a lifetime. Somebody can hurt you with words and it can last a lifetime and it can just define you. You know, one of my Bible school instructors used to always say to us, and he was using this principle. He would say, all of my students are quick, smart, sharp, and good looking. And he would say it to us almost every day. You're quick, you're smart, you're sharp, and you're good looking. He was trying to redefine our identity for us because people come from so many different backgrounds, so many different places. That he was wanting us to refuse what had been assigned to us by someone else or by our actions and to accept the identity that comes from God. And as I mentioned, you know, we can be victimized a thousand and one, a million and one different ways by people in the world. And that's something that someone has chosen to do to me. But a terrible thing to choose is the identity of a victim. That I am not a victim. I am not what somebody has done to me. I refuse it. I refuse that as my identity. I choose the identity that God has for me. This is the principle being discussed here in the life of Moses. The world says you're this. Your past says you're this. Stupid mistakes that you've done say you're that. But I'm going to choose something else. I am going to choose to think about something else. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard of me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. So Paul is wanting us to make a distinction about the thoughts that we think about. And the question is this. Do I have thoughts or do thoughts have me? Because if thoughts have me, if I have no way to distinguish between a good thought and a bad thought, an evil thought or a God thought then I will just think whatever comes my way. I will just think whatever is offered to me. I will just think whatever somebody does to me. I will just think whatever somebody says about me. But I would say this. There are some thoughts not worth thinking. 
there are some things in your past that you need to quit reminding yourself about. And ask yourself, does this thought have me? Or am I actually choosing my thoughts? This is what Paul is saying. Choose your thoughts. These thoughts will take you somewhere to God's peace. All of these other thoughts that are coming our way, all of these thoughts from our past that have me. Stupid stuff that I've done, stupid things that I've said, mean things people have said about me, insults that have come my way. Does it have me? Does it have a hold of my identity? No. Faith refuses it. Faith refuses the identity that comes from the world. And I'm going to choose to think something else. So I'm going to read you some scriptures here that talk to you about your identity in God. You are not what you have done. You are not what you have said. You are not what they've said about you. That your identity is found in God. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba Father. That just means Daddy God. In other words, a close relationship with God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the children of God. And I would say that identity is better than anything that anyone has ever said about you or done to you or stupid stuff that you've done. I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. Now, I'm a child, a physical child uh, of early and Esther culture. Now, they, they live in a condo. They moved into a condo a couple years ago, downsized, got rid of all their stuff. And, you know, occasionally I go over there and we're going to watch some sporting event of some kind. And I just want you to know, anytime I want something to eat or drink, I don't even ask. I just walk right into the kitchen and I'm like, where's the water? Where's the snacks? Why? Because I'm a child of Rilby and Esther. It has defined my identity with them. I am, but here's what's better than, it's, hey, it's great to be a child of Rilby and Esther. But it's better, you know what's better than being a child of theirs? A child of God. And better than a bottle of water and some chips is that I can actually go to the kingdom of God. I can go to the throne of God and receive God's peace. I can go to the throne of God and receive God's grace and His strength. I am a child of God. I am not defined by what I've done. All the mistakes that I've made. All of the stupid stuff that I've said. All of the mean things people have said about me. I refuse. I refuse it. I refuse to be called... By what they, who are they? What did they say about you? Don't let what they said about you be stronger than what God said about you. Because he said, you're his child. 
We're not letting someone else define our identity. Verse 17, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Think about that. I'm an heir in the kingdom of God. Why would I mess around with what somebody else says about me? Why would I let that define me? Why would I let that hold me back? I'm joint heirs with Jesus. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing the glory that is to be revealed in us. The the things that we suffer through. The insults that come our way. The stupid things that we've done. As we suffer through this life. I don't let that define me. The glory that's going to be revealed in us. Because we are heirs of God, I allow that to define me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everybody say in Christ. This is what it means to have a relationship with God. And then what does it say? He is a new creation. Because listen, in me... In my past and all of who I am and all who people have said about me, have done stupid things, have said stupid things, have made mistakes. In me, there's shame. And in me, there's guilt. And in me, there's mess ups. And in me, there's people have said mean things about me. And I could remain here. And I could allow that thing to define me. And it's the old me. But what does the scripture say? Am I just in me? No, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I'm no longer just in me. I am in Christ. And what I, what am I in Christ? I am a new creation. I'm new. I'm not the old me. I'm not all those stupid things that I've done, all those stupid things that I've said. I don't allow those things to define me. I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I refuse the designation of the world. I refuse the identity that would come from the world. And see, this, I mean, even the, even the word, um, we use this word a lot, you know, self-esteem. It's good to have confidence in yourself. But if you take that too far, it's just pride. I just don't have... Self-esteem, I want to have God-esteem. I have esteem in Christ. And what am, am I in Christ? I'm a new creation. I'm not the old me. I'm the new me. Yeah, but you remember, do you remember five years ago when blah, blah, blah? It's like, yeah, but that's the old me. I'm, I'm the new me. The new and improved me. How did I get new and improved? I'm in Christ. I'm not allowing that to define me. I'm not allowing my past to define me. I'm not allowing what they said to define me. I'm allowing God to define me. And where am I? I'm in Christ. And I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are... Where? In Christ Jesus. Where? In Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation about my past. We celebrated communion this morning. Part of the celebration of communion is I am free from my past. 
all of the sin that we discussed earlier in the message, I'm free from it. There is no condemnation in me. If I want to choose this identity, there's condemnation. There's guilt. There, there's what somebody says about me and then I feel condemned. And then I remember and I rehearse all of the mistakes that I made. And then what do I do? I feel condemned and I feel ashamed. But in Christ, what is there in Christ? There is no condemnation. That we are in Christ free from our sin because sin condemns you. But in Christ, I'm not condemned. Can you see how this helps your identity? Can you see how this helps you? Because if you go through life condemned, rehearsing your mistakes, choosing what the world says about you, choosing what they said and how they insulted you and how they hurt you and what they did to you. No, in Christ, there's no condemnation. I'm free from my sin. I'm free from my past. How did I get there? Because I'm in Christ. That's my new identity. I'm not going to stick to my old identity. I'm going to stick to the new identity that I have in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him. Everybody say in him. In him who? Jesus. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches... Of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. See, over here, I'm just dependent on myself. What I can do, what I can accomplish, how I can work through all of the pain that has come through my, my life. All of the pain that I feel based on what they said. But over here, he lavishes on me grace. In Him, in Christ, my brand new identity in God. It's a place of lavish grace. Not allowing condemnation, sin, shame to define me any longer. But I allow this idea. You know what? There is grace lavished on my life. That's the new me. That's the way I want to live life. I don't want to live life over here. He didn't call me to live in Brent. He called me to live in Him. In Him we have redemption. In Him we have lavish grace. You should be getting a little more excited about this. Because this is good news today. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you, where? In Christ. Where are you? In Christ. This is your new identity. This is the new you. I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I refuse to be called the son of the world. I refuse the world's designation. Man, I am in Christ Jesus. That in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Anyone who's making you ashamed of your past, stop listening to them. Because in Christ, you are guiltless. In Christ, the old you has passed away and you are a new creation in Christ. And then what did it say? He is going to sustain you to the end. Over here, I just feel like quitting. I just feel like giving up. Nobody liked my Instagram post. Nobody likes me. But what if nobody likes me? Who likes me? God does in Christ and in Him. He's going to sustain me to the end. Man, that's a better identity and then rehearsing all of the stuff of my past, all of the shame of my past, all of the guilt of my past, all of what they said. That's a place where you want to give up, but over here in Christ, a place of sustaining grace. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen, I am saying all of these verses so you will find your identity in Christ. But thanks be to God who, where? In Christ. Always leads us in a triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So what do we have in Christ? We have a triumphal procession. It's a parade. And Jesus is the master of the parade. You know the guy with the big staff at the front of the parade who's like the full outfit or whatever and he's walking at the front of the parade? We are walking in Jesus' parade. And what kind of parade is it? It's a one of triumph. That's my identity. The old me is just a failure. Well, you're just a failure. You'll never make anything of yourself. You'll never do anything right. Listen, I don't... I don't I don't care if the experts said it. I don't care if somebody with degrees said that about you. I refuse it. I refuse what they say. I'm in Christ. And I'm in the parade with Jesus. And He is leading me to victory. That is how I think about life. That is my new identity. I don't choose the identity of defeat. I'm not a loser. Because Christ is not a loser. I'm going to choose. I'm choosing winning. I'm going to choose something else. I'm not going to allow that to dominate me. I'm not going to allow those thoughts to get a hold of my life. Man, no, I'm going to be in with Jesus. And he is leading a triumphal procession. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. The Amplified says this. And may be found in him. Everybody say, in him. Believing and relying on him. Not having any righteousness of my own. I don't have any over here. You don't have any over here. We don't have any righteousness on our own. Of my own derived from my own obedience to the law, its rituals, but possessing that genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ. We are talking about faith in this series. Faith gives us a brand new identity in Christ faith in God and then I say what he says about me I'm his child I have his grace he's going to sustain me to the end he's causing me 
to have triumph in my life. I, I want to stay over in this place. Don't call me back over here. I'm not coming. I'm not coming back over here. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care if you're calling me something. I'm not going. I'm not going back over there. I want to stay in Christ. Which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I've got my trust in God. And when I have my trust in God, I allow God to define who I am. What does God say about me? What is God declaring over my life? It's not this. It's not all of this mess. It's not all of the things that you've done. It's not what they said about you. It's what Christ has done for you. And you are found in him. Galatians 3 verse 26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Last thing and we'll finish with this. We see this in verse 27 of Hebrews 11. It says, By faith he left Egypt not being afraid. If you're taking notes, write this down. Faith is not afraid. Now these two things go really well together. These, this identity idea and this idea go really well together. See, every day we have an opportunity to be afraid. There's uncertainty. There's unknowns. I can look out the, ahead of the day and just, you know, be anxious about what's coming. But faith is not afraid. Fear is always a choice, but faith is always a better choice. Faith is always a better choice than fear. Because I'm afraid. I'm living in all of these uncertainties. And then what do they say? What have I done? But yeah, but over here I've got my faith in God. I've got my trust in God and I don't have to be afraid. And when, when I'm afraid, I'm living in the shadow of negative possibilities. But when I have faith, I'm living in the love of God. First John chapter 4 verse 17 says, By this is love perfected with it with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is also so are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment fear has to do with punishment And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. See, over here, we are perfected in love. Remember when I was younger, I would be different places with my dad. And sometimes maybe we would see like a, a scary dog of some kind. And what I would do in that moment is I would run behind my dad's legs. He's got really long legs. So it was an easy thing to do. And then I would go behind his leg, but then I would look out. Why? Because I knew dad was there to protect me. I wasn't afraid anymore. See, in Christ, 
We are perfected in love and we don't have to be afraid anymore because faith is not afraid. And perfected in this idea of love that, listen, the scripture says, even while we were yet sinners, even while we were over here and we knowingly rejected God with our life and with our words, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly so that we could be found in Christ. Think about that kind of love. Not when we were doing everything right, not when we were going to church all the time, and not when we were, you know, perfect children in the world, but even when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Even while we were sinners, He gave us a brand new identity to follow. And He said, Come and live in me. Come and live in my love. Come and live into this place where God now defines your identity and you reject, you refuse to be called whatever the world says about you. And over here I say, I am a son of the Most High. I am a child of God. Let's just pray this morning. God, we are so thankful for your word today. We are so thankful, Lord, for the identity that we find in you. That we, that we, Lord, refuse to be called all of those things from our past and all of those things that people have said about us, that we are your children. And we allow your voice to be the biggest voice in our lives. There's no condemnation in you. That we can stand before you guiltless. That we can stand before you without shame. And you are calling us your very own children. And that is our brand new identity in you. We are so thankful for that, Lord. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.